Hey everyone, welcome back to the National Fire Radio Podcast. I am Jeremy, the host of the National Fire Radio daily episodes on the audio channels. Thank you for joining us. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you've been here before, thank you. What we could ask, and what I do ask, is like, share, follow, subscribe to the channels on whatever audio platform you listen to, because it does help us in the ratings and it helps us push this forward. We have had unbelievable support by this community, and I am so proud and honored, and it holds us accountable to make sure that we continue to push out the very best content we can possibly give you. This week, April 17th, 2023, leading into FDIC. This is the week prior to FDIC. This means all of our loose ends have to be tied up before we leave this coming weekend as we head out for the week in Indy. FDIC, if you've never been, I suggest you try to get there. I know that there's conversations about it's expensive and it's hard to get there. It's hard to take a few days off. It's, it's hard to afford it. I get that. But this is the largest trade show in America in regards to the fire service. And so if you can or have the opportunity to get there, please try to make that trip. I promise you this, between the exhibition and the hot training, it's the brotherhood and sisterhood that goes on there and the networking and connecting. It is incredible. If you have the opportunity to get the FDIC, I strongly recommend you try to get there. Let me talk about a few things leading up to FDIC. Um, the 2448 podcast. You'll hear an advertisement for them during the podcast. We are joining forces at FDIC this year. We're going to be in booth 13073 in the main corridor. We're going to be live podcasting from the booth during FDIC. Come find us. We're going to have guests and manufacturers in the booth having conversations as well as doing some question and answer stuff and everything else in between. That's going to be a lot of fun. So come find us in booth 13073 in partnership with the 2448 podcast. A couple other things this week. Training Partners. National Fire Radio presents Training Partners. You're going to hear about this in one of the podcasts this week about what Training Partners is all about. Something new that we're getting into, and we are very, very excited about that. And to share that with you, our community, this audience that has been so incredibly supportive, we are excited to bring you even more content in a different lane. Let's go. FDIC. We're going to be there. Like I said, we got a bunch of projects with a bunch of different manufacturers. Uh, Pip from the size up. He's going to be working with Mercedes Textiles uh, in doing some uh, health and wellness uh, stuff from the Mercedes booth. And we'll get you more information on that. Us, our large project this year, we're going to be working with Rev Group. Uh, Rev Group is the uh, parent company to many different manufacturing brands of fire apparatus. We'll be in Rev Group's booth this year. We're going to be there Thursday and Friday from 2 to 4 both days. We're going to be doing live walk-arounds of the TDA on Thursday. They're going to have a tractor-drawn aerial there. We're going to be doing a live walk-around with Steve Crothers and the crew from Tractor-Drawn Aerial, as well as the aerial specialist from Rev Group. So look for that. And then after that, we're throwing a happy hour. It's tiller time in the Rev booth. Join us in the Rev booth on Thursday from 2 to 4 for its tiller time happy hour. And then on Friday, we're going to be doing a walk around uh, on one of their brush trucks and their electric engine. We're going to be doing a walk around uh, as well. And the crowd can follow us as we do our apparatus innovation type content. And then obviously, it's happy hour and we're going to share a few cold ones with the, with the people coming through the booth. So that's in the Rev group booth on Thursday and Friday from 2 to 4. We're looking forward to 
meeting you, seeing you, taking pictures, and just having great conversations and tell you what we're doing at FDIC. And lastly, I want to talk about this, our sponsors. Without our sponsors, this podcast channel just isn't possible. And so please, give us another minute or two of your time before we roll into the daily episode and give our sponsors a listen. Our first sponsor of the podcast, Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew from Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing metal helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 metal fronts in the market, they are a leader in the metal helmet front space. Their creativity, as well as customer service, sets them apart from the competition. They are manufacturing one-offs within 24 to 48 hours to ship to your door. Not only that, but head over to taylorstins.com and you'll see all the other products that they offer. Right now on their homepage, they have a whole page dedicated to vintage metal prints. It's so cool to see the original prints of the fire apparatus, fire hydrants, fire helmets, fire boots, flashlights. It's so cool. They are printed metal tins that hang on the wall that are aged and look to be from the original days of when these prints were drawn, looking for copyright and trademarks. It's really cool. Taylor and his crew are super creative. They're always pushing the envelope as to what products they offer to the fire service. Check them out at www.taylorstins.com. That's again, taylorstins.com to get a hold of Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. This episode's brought to you by the 2448 Podcast. If you're a first responder with an entrepreneurial streak, check out the 2448 Podcast. Hosted by Sam Massa, who built lighting company Hi-Viz LEDs. During his off time, he serves as a volunteer firefighter and professional EMT. Each week, we tell the stories of different first responder-owned businesses, from small startups to food trucks, to companies like National Fire Radio and Fire Department Coffee. Available anywhere you listen to podcasts, go to the2448.com for more information. That's www.the2448.com for more information about this killer podcast. And if you're coming to FDIC this year, join us in booth 13073, right by the entrance in the main hallway where National Fire Radio, yes, us, in conjunction with the 2448 podcast, will be teamed up for live shows throughout the duration of FDIC. It's going to be a killer week out in Indy. Join us at booth 13073 right in the main hallway where you come right into the convention center. We're going to be right there live broadcasting throughout the week. Come see us. Guys, thanks for checking it out. Check out the 2448 podcast. And now, without further ado, the daily episode. Hey everyone, Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is going to be a fantastic episode. The last 23 minutes talking with this guest, I feel like I've known this guy for years. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be firefighter-focused, but man, there's so much more to this guy. It's like an onion. You start peeling away the layers, and there's just so many different things to talk about of incredible interest. Today's guest, firefighter Dave Weinman out of the city of Philadelphia. Dave, thanks for joining me, brother. Hey, it's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. This is super cool. I'm going to get to the backstory, but let me just get the uh, the intro out of the way first. And I mean that with sure. the utmost respect. 16 years in the fire service, 10 years with the city of Philadelphia. Currently the senior senior man at Ladder 13A Platoon, which is on the west side of Philadelphia. That's right. 
On top of being a fireman, more importantly, you're a father of two young boys, and I want to get into that a little bit because I love how they fit into everything that you do in and outside of the firehouse, as well as in how this came across my desk and how I've gotten to know you is your YouTube channel, Parts and Restoration, which I think is super cool, and I want to hop into all of that too. And um, a little backstory real quick as I was chatting with Eric Allen, Fast Rescue. He's also a Philadelphia fireman. We were chatting. He said, hey, man, I got a guy for you. Uh, he's got this YouTube channel. He does restoration work on old infrastructure and different things. Uh, I think he's even got a TV show. And I was like, well, that's cool. Like, let's let's go, man. Like, put me in touch with him. So he gave me, I think, your Instagram handle. And that's where I found you. And I was like, oh, check this out. And I was scrolling through your material. And I was watching. And I was like, man, this guy's really got talent. I mean, and I love that because I want to get in, maybe, you know, relate a few things that we talked about before we hit the record button about my background too. And I think why we mesh so well, but man, yeah. what an incredible story, brother. So much. I mean, yeah. One, you don't sit still. I can only imagine you're not, you don't sit still. <laughs> no, it doesn't really ever stop, you know, between work and all the hobbies and, and being a father and everything, it's, it's constant. There's constantly things going on and there's, you know, you know, how it is, there's always stuff to do, always stuff to fix. Uh, we were talking before we started here about your, your gears and your bearings yeah. business and the biz and yeah. there's always work to do piling up. So that's kind of the story of my life. But you don't, but you don't know it any other way, right? No. Like that's the same no. with me, right? Is like, I think that the, the organized chaos, if you will, is what I need though. Like, I don't think I would be good if things were simple and status quo and just check off the boxes. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, there's, there's good, there's good times, you know, when you have, when you're like an ADHD person and things are a little disorganized in your household, that can be bad. But like, yeah, when you've got a lot of projects, keeps you thinking, keeps you on your feet. Like, yeah, I dig it, you know, and it works in the firehouse too that way, I think. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the firehouse. So right now on the West side of Philadelphia, I'm sure it's a tough neighborhood. You go to some work there. Senior yep. man, that's got to be a fun position. Give me a little background about how you found your way to Philly. So um, so I, I started in fire service at 19. Um, I was a volunteer in Baltimore County. I got my start at the one of the quieter places in Baltimore County, Maryland, uh, Chestnut Ridge Station 500, um, which was near where I lived in Stevenson, Maryland. And um, it was cool. I, I Really, I don't think I ever went to a fire there, but I was there for about a year, um, just kind of learning the trucks, learning the this and that. And um, my my story has been a story of trying to find, just trying to find more fires. Honestly, I I went to a busier station in in uh, Baltimore County, just to try and get a little more experience. And at 21, after like I said, about two years in the service, um, I got my first job as a paid fireman in frederick maryland uh shout out to uh local 3666 there you go yep that was my first stop i did uh four years 11 months there and um it was great i i learned what it was to be a new guy and how to fit into the firehouse i kind of grew up there a little bit like i went from being this child i couldn't i didn't know how to make mashed potatoes and i didn't know how to do laundry i couldn't do anything i love that. um <clears throat> to going into a firehouse with with real men you know 30 year old dudes who, you know, showed me the way I, Scott Poorman and Doug Real uh, were my senior guys there. And they kind of beat me until I grew up and it <laughs> taught me a lot and um, had a lot of good influences there, which, and actually that, that, that experience in that career was my first introduction into using power tools to restore rusty metal and to fix things. And yeah. 
so we'll get into that. But yeah. um, <clears throat> but, but I, I was... love that time period though, right? Like for you to understand that time period. I mean, did you get it at the time that you were maturing and learning what the job was truly all about during those years, or is it now that you reflect back on it and you say, man? Those four four years and eleven months in Frederick County was really a pivotal time frame for you. It was huge. Um, you know, I learned a lot about myself. Honestly, I, I it was my first real job. Yeah. Um, at twenty one years old, yeah. I I thought I was a I basically thought I was a grown man, and I realized I didn't know anything. Um, and those guys they squared me away. I learned a lot about myself at the time. I had been I'd been dealing with. Um, like ADHD and anxiety mm -hmm. uh, prior to this. And I realized that I had, I had an issue um, just by interacting with people that held me accountable. And I was like, I had some, um, I wound up, you know, seeing a doctor getting on medic medication and having some therapy to kind of get myself on a more stable footing that yeah. I, but I wouldn't have otherwise discovered, you know, just exit maybe in any other job, maybe in an office job, but I, you know, people that would like, if you screwed up, they were in your face. They were in your ass. Accountability. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it made me grow up. And yeah, like I said, um, kind of retroactively looking back, I, yeah, I, I'm only seeing it now at the time. It was really tough. It was, it was really tough. I mean, just thinking about it, even in Philly now, like when you get young guys in the firehouse that just don't know anything, that's a tough time in their life, especially if you really do hold their ass, um, you know, to the fire, yeah. so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, but it, it was good. It was good for me just as a human being, you know? Yeah. Well, I wonder, I wonder how that plays into how you mentor today. I mean, you mentioned you're the senior man on, the, on ladder 13, right? And yeah. so, you know, on your platoon. And so on my platoon, yeah. you're the, you're the guy that people are looking at and the new kids that are, that are there are riding across from you. Right. I sure. mean, you're, you're holding them. I would think to the same accountability levels that you were held to yet sharing and teaching those life lessons that these kids need to learn. For sure. Um, you know, to me, I think, I think it shaped my style a lot because I had some, I had some screamers and I had some guys that were just kind of um, sure. genuinely nasty individuals. And, um, and it, it, that impacted me a lot in how I try and convey information. It's like, I can teach you how to do something without being an asshole about it. Yes. And in fact, I, I, you know, fast forward to Philadelphia, I had guys that were you know, I had some idols in Philadelphia. I don't want to say Eric Allen was an idol, but I certainly looked up to him and he had a sure. lot to share mm -hmm. and his style was real laid back, chill. I mean, you know, Eric. Yes. Um, and you look up to guys like, uh, there's another guy, uh, Ben Barda was one of the guys when I was a brand new fireman, he had a bunch of time on military guy. And I looked at this guy and was like, you know what? Real chill, laid back style. And he can teach you a lesson that these guys could teach you a lesson without, um, without being nasty about it. And I yeah. wasn't used to that because where I came from, it was like, if you had a lot of time on, maybe you hadn't been to, uh, you know, 500 fires, maybe you'd been to 10, but you had 20 years on. So you had to flex, you had yep. flex on guys right. to show that you were the boss. And it would just, it was me and I didn't like it. And so I, it was nice to see that um, from some senior men that was like, okay, you kind of, you know, put your, put me under your wing and like, all right, here, here kid, here's how we're going to do it. It's like, all right, cool. Like, that's good. I may, I learned a lot more that way personally. Yeah. And so that's, that's how I try and do it now. Um, and I'm new to being a senior man. I, I, I've only been in that position for a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. But, I, the interesting thing about that too, right. Is like, you're learning also, right. Cause yeah. now that's kind of a newer position to you too. Right. And so all of a sudden right. you find yourself in that position and now you're like, Oh shit. 
Like now, yeah. now it's my <laughs> now it's my turn to help tutor and mentor, and now I got to be more conscious about my actions or how I'm behaving or what I'm doing because it rubs off, right? It it all trickles Absolutely. down. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's a. I'm in a bit of a transitional time. I'm sure. Um. But but it's good. It's it's making me more accountable and it's making me think a little bit more about you know what influence I have and what what kind of um what kind of messages I'm sending to guys around based on my own actions and, and just getting a little bit more into the training sphere. Um, it's, it's, it's been good for me and for everybody. I think. Well, it's that ca- accountability you were talking about as a probie, you learned accountability in Frederick County and they taught you what it was like and to do all these things. And now you move up, you're in a different role now. Right. And all of a sudden right. it's like you have this self-awareness and accountability of yourself again, now being thrusted into a different position of, of mentorship. Now it's like, okay, I got to hold myself accountable here because it's yeah. the same thing over again. It's repetitive. Yeah. And it's good it. though, though it, 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 it's making me better too. And it's, yeah. you know, just like yeah. you're brushing up on the basics, thinking about stuff that you, how, how to teach something or how to explain something that you do instinctively um, or reflexively, you know, uh, how, how do we share that? How do we have that knowledge transferred to somebody that doesn't understand it? It's like, that's right. I, I love the concept. I heard one guy talking about like, if I could just take a flash drive of what I know and plug it into you, you'd know as much as I knew. And then we'd, we'd both be at the same level, but it's not that easy. It's like, how do you, so how do we do that? And I don't really come from an education background. So it's like trying to figure out how to transfer knowledge to guys so they can be better so that we can all be on the same page and then, and work as a smooth, you know, yeah. smooth uh, operator, you know, well, like, as a team, as a good team. Yeah. Well, I like what you were talking about before too, is making the connection, right? Like you're, you could have bring so much to the table, but if you don't know how to make a connection with somebody, you don't know how to relate with somebody all that experience and your knowledge and experience can get lost because you don't know how to communicate it, right? And that's sure. that's critically important that we know how to communicate with the guy that we need to be teaching. I mean, that that's yep. a huge part of the equation. It is, for sure. And figuring out what, you know, uh, guys in Philly always talk about, hey, listen, you got to know your players. Uh, yeah. You know, who's on the back step with you? How do they, are they going to, do they need you to just get in their ass? Do they need you to take them by the hand and like figuring out the balance of how can I reach this person so that we can, we can all be better together. Cause it's not about, it's not about me. It's not about him. It's about us. So if we don't, I can hate this guy, but I still have to go to a job with him in five minutes. So like, doesn't matter if I hate him, he's got to, we're, we're, we're in this together. So That's right. you're only as strong as your weakest link. So let's, let's figure it out. Right? Yeah. I love that. Well, yeah. so so then this whole self-awareness and this this whole idea of holding yourself accountable, right? I love, and we're going to weave the conversation through the firehouse, through family, through parts and restoration, right? And this is kind of where I want to take this is through parts and restoration, and we'll get the whole backstory sure. in a minute. But what I find really interesting, and you had said to me that you pushed yourself to learn the trades of restoration, right? This wasn't something you grew up with. You, in fact, said mechanical aptitude wasn't your strongest suit growing up, right? No, it certainly wasn't. Um, yeah, no, growing up, I I would tinker with stuff. My dad, you know, has got a garage full of tools, and he was always a projects guy, and I, um, I wasn't really interested in that as a kid. I was a big video game nerd. Mm. I logged 10,000 hours probably in front of a <laughs> PC playing first-person shooters and it's funny. I tell my kids now when they talk about video games, it's like I, I say, Dad, I say, let boys, let me show you what I have for all of my years of playing video games. And I'll take my hand out of my back pocket and they pry my hand open and there's nothing in there. I got nothing to show for all of my video game time. That's right. Um, 
And, um, but yeah, no, I remember getting in the firehouse and the company I was assigned to had a bunch of old tools that were all rusty and nasty. And I'm like, what, what is this? Like, this is, there's no pride in this. I remember reading, um, I think the book's called pride and ownership. Yeah. I want to say, yeah, absolutely. um, I read that and that really had a big impact on me. It's like, there's one article. It's like, this is my saw, like one chapter, like my saw right. and talking about how like taking responsibility for the equipment on the truck and, you know, if it doesn't work, well, that's your fault. Like you need to make sure your stuff is, is wound tight and everything's good. Um, and as a 20, either 21 or 22 year old brand new professional fireman in Frederick, I went and did an Andy Frederick's training days, um, in, I think it was in Washington or, or PG County or somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, who was there it was Bob Morris from FDNY talking sure. about forcible entry and yeah. talking about taking care of your, your Halligan and all that stuff. And it really, I was like, wow, like that's, I got to get, I need an angle grinder. I need a bench grinder. I need wire wheels and all this stuff because I, I want to have a Halligan bar that looks like Bob Morris's Halligan bar. So um, I went and bought the stuff and I brought it back to the firehouse and just, we got to work. I, I wound up um, going through multiple wire wheels, doing all the tools, stuff got painted, you know, but not, but not putting paint where it didn't need to be, you know, like, yeah, sure. Ma put maintaining the tools and getting everything back up on level. And, um, and that was awesome. I, you know, had a couple close calls. I got a few uh, job shirts sucked into the wheel of an angle grinder. <laughs> Terrifying experience. If yeah. you've never had that happen to you. Uh, I, um, I haven't, but man, I've seen it. So yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. It's not pretty. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. But what yeah. was that? What was it? So for you, man, that was like ownership 101, right? Like you were like, yeah. man, I'm taking, I'm taking ownership of this. There was that theme, the, the last, I think it was Lasky's book, Pride and Ownership. And, mm -hmm. you know, between that and then, you know, Bob Morris speaking and talking about the importance of that, like, man, they're just driving that theme home to you and you were just taking it in, man, and making yeah. it yours. I love that. Sure. What did that yeah, do to the guys around you? I mean, you um, said they had rusty, they had rusty tools, right? And then here comes this young kid, like, "Hey, man, I got my bench grinder and wire wheels. Let's go. We're cleaning yep. this stuff up. We're painting this." Like, that's a tremendous amount of pride, and what an introduction to a company where you want to yeah. bring that. You know, I love it. Sure. You know, uh, it's funny. It, it didn't have a good. It didn't actually come off that well. To of be course honest. not. Of course. You know um, what? Chances you know, are was, it wasn't going to. No, I was a paid man in a volunteer firehouse, uh, ah. you know, combination system. Mm -hmm. um, and it, yeah, it wasn't a hit. The tools were, I, if I wasn't there, they were not taken care of. Right. Uh, guys were like, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's not how we do things here. Yep. And I'm like, maybe that's not how you do things here, but FDNY does this shit. Like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, but it was cool. It didn't, it didn't, um, it didn't hurt my passion. I was, I was really, really into the job as a 21-year-old kid. Uh, you know, I was just devouring every every kernel of knowledge and wisdom that I could. And sadly, it didn't really at the time. It didn't really matter. I wasn't I wasn't going to fires. I, I tell everybody in Frederick, Maryland, and God bless it. The place is is a, it's a beautiful town. It's a beautiful county. Yeah. And the, the professional firemen at DFRS Local 3666 are fabulous, passionate, just great dudes. But I mean, it's just not, it's not a busy place. It's not, it's a great place to live. Um, but it's not a great place to be a fireman, at least for someone like me. I just got really bored. Well, you um, said it before trying to find more fires. That's your theme. Sure. Just chasing, chasing, chasing work, yeah, um, chasing work. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it was good. It was a good introduction. It was a good place to kind of try some ideas and kind of find myself as a fireman, as a, 
you know, as a guy on the job. And it's funny too. I, I, I never really wanted to be a professional fireman. I didn't grow up with this. I, I kind of fell into it. I wanted to be a cop. My, my family, I've got, I've, yeah, I was a police explorer in high school. I probably did a thousand hours of ride alongs. I love uh, that. Bouncer my, my summer after my freshman year of college, just trying to get, trying to learn to fight, you know, and yeah. kind of stumbled into this stuff. I had some really good influencers that were like, Hey man, like you don't want to be a cop. You want to be a fireman. <laughs> it's a way better deal. Have you, have you thanked them? I have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a guy, there's a guy when I was in college, I joined a local fire. I went to York college in PA for two years Yeah, and I joined the West York borough fire department. And one of the guys that one of the professional drivers there, I don't know if you know this name, but he was a paid fireman in Fairfax, did a whole Fairfax County, Virginia, did a whole career there. Uh, Bill Schneckel. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I recognize you know the name. No, I don't okay, know him. Sure. I recognize it. Cause you don't forget a name like that. Yeah, no, you yeah, don't. Right. Um, Bill, um, I, you know, I'm uh, dumb as a box of rocks, 19, 20 year old kid. And he's like, look, dude, I was going to, and I was going to your, to school for criminal justice. Right. Uh, I was a member of the campus, you know, security patrol, oh, like yeah. just loving life, like wearing body armor, like Hell yeah. when I didn't have to, I just wanted to be a cop so bad. Look at all the accessories on my belt. Absolutely. Oh my God. I had every <laughs> accessory, but a gun. I was the only thing I wanted, I but I it. couldn't have it. It was the worst. Oh yes. But, uh, but Bill is like, he's like, dude, listen, he's like, you're a smart kid. You, you don't want to be a cop, man. Like it's not, it's not for you. Like you've got the passion for this firefighting stuff, like go after it. And I, I like, I it was like one night in the firehouse it, that, that was like a fork in the road in my life. And, yeah. Um, within a week just applied everywhere and, Two, I think it took about a year and a half, and I got, I finally got hired in Frederick. Awesome. But, and then, yeah. And then from there, chasing fires, you found your way back up to the to the PA area, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Like? So, yeah. I, I, well, I grew up in, I grew up outside of Baltimore, but I wound oh, up, okay. um, I wound up applying with, with Philly, Baltimore County, Maryland, you know, professional service, and and um, PG County all at the same time, and. While I was working in Frederick, I, I volunteered at uh, Bladensburg in PG County for a little bit. Like I said, trying to find more work, trying to get experience. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, they all, all three of those, PG, Baltimore County, and Philly all came at the same time. And I was like, man, I'd be an idiot to turn down a job in a big city. Like, oh man, like yeah. that's got to be it. So I had gotten those three offers. I took Philly and and now here we are. And um, yeah, great academy experience. And then I got really lucky. It was... Um, the department had done a mass transfer of all of their like most senior members, like from busy spots to slower spots, uh, which, you know, sadly hurt the department in a lot of ways, but um, it worked out for me. 11 yeah. guys from my class went to the cuckoo's nest engine 68, ladder 13, mm. nine, seven in West Philly. And um, my first year I got 26, I made 26 either first or second in fires on ladder. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, here I am. I've arrived. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I thought, I thought I knew some stuff about firefighting. I don't know anything. Yeah. This is a total reset. And like, I'm just holding on for the ride. It was, it was incredible. It was everything I ever wanted. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Did it live up to the expectation of what you wanted? I mean, you don't know until you're there, but man, you're chasing, you're chasing that dream. You're chasing jobs, right? You're chasing work and yeah. then you get there and you're getting it. It's everything you wanted and more. It 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 was it was a it was a big wake up call. Um, because I was you know I was a YouTube fireman. Yeah, talk that. about <laughs> that. No, talk about watched, that because that's important. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I you know I watched all the every Mike Champo video. I'd get my hands on and <laughs> you know um for years. And I was like I when I got to Philly, I was like I think I know what I'm doing. 
And then within one or two fires, I was like, man, I, I suck. Like everything I thought I knew was wrong or, or I just, you know, you think, you know, stuff from, from reading. And even if you read a lot, and even if you watch a lot of YouTube videos, if you, there's no, there's no substitute for experience. Yeah. And, um, and that was evident immediately. And it was, it was tough. It was really tough for me. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are in that boat though, brother. I mean, yeah. you know, if you think about, you know, a lot of people, the majority of firefighters in the country are not going to fires on a regular basis, even, sure. even in career departments down through volunteer departments, right? Like not everybody's going to fires all the time. And so where you can get experience today is through YouTube or through, yeah. you know, social media, right? And, and yeah. so on. So there is value to it, right? It's just, absolutely. it just can't replace the actual experience of no yeah it's 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 a having you having youtube and having textbooks and going to hands-on training events is crucial yeah. i mean it's it's so important especially if you work in a slower place you know and doing just doing daily trainings trying to get your gear on and you know throw ladders or stretch line or whatever it matters and it's not a waste of time but you know uh when when the chips are down and things are actually happening it's like oh shit like yeah. if you're not if you're not conditioned to it i think it, it's it'll catch you off guard even when you think you're at the top of your game you might you might not be and it's that's a scary position to be in um you know it, it can hurt your confidence a lot but you know it's it's just is what it is i guess well i love it though because you know the whole theme for the last 22 minutes of this podcast has been self-awareness and and accountability mm -hmm. of yourself and so sure. you know again it's another layer of that where you thought you had it pretty well put together that you get there and you, after a couple fires, holy shit, yep. <laughs> we got to, we got to reset a little bit. Right. Like, but, sure. I, but it's, what do you do with that humble pie? Right. Like some people push that away and still think that they, they have all the answers and they have the abilities. Right. But sure. you know, other people that are accountable and hold themselves accountable to their actions and knowledge are the ones that grow from experience like that. For sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, you have to, you have to embrace it. It sucks. Yeah. Oh God, it does it suck. I mean, I, I tell my kids all the time and it's like, I want you to make mistakes because they will teach you everything you need to know yes. to move forward. It's like, if you, if you want to be a failure, um, just it, the first thing you have to do is ignore your mistakes and you'll just continue to repeat them. That's fine. But if you learn from each thing you screw up, you have potential to be amazing and uh one one of my favorite quotes is every expert was once a beginner you know it's like nobody was born knowing how to do anything <laughs> you got to learn so it, you know you look up to your idols and you got to think about it like at one point they sucked what they do well they figured it the fuck out you know i love um, that i'm actually writing that I, i've been writing down a lot you got a lot of good one-liners today but that's <laughs> that's good every every expert was once a beginner and i i, I yep. think that that is just such an powerful statement you know it's, it's it's like it's like brain technology if you can embrace that and you can embrace that you're gonna screw up and you can own it and like move forward in a positive way from it like that's how you grow that's yes. how you become awesome at anything like yes. whether it's riding a bike or cutting a roof like you have to you got to try it once and you're gonna screw up and i can i can have done it a thousand times and tell you how to do it but it doesn't matter and you got to do it yourself like there's you're, we are, we are alone in this world. Sometimes, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're the only one that can gain that experience. I can't gain it for you, you know?
I, so. I'm right there, man. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, I think we need to talk more about it just in general, right? Not just sure. the fire service, but in life. Like mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a firm believer. You have two young boys, right? And and so you're a father that's on the hustle in the firehouse doing your, your parts and restoration gig, right? And then on top of that, your father are two young boys. And I'm sure you're very much a hands-on father. And I'm sure that you let them make mistakes and you let them tinker and you let them figure out what works and doesn't work. Like I'm very much the same way with my kids, but I still find myself being overprotective at times. And I I wish I would let them fall down a little bit more, but man, it breaks my heart, you know, (laughs) it's it's so hard, man. But I'll tell you like growing up for myself, like I fell off my bike. I got punched in the face. I, I got laid out. I got laid out playing sports. Like, you know, yep. like, and, and those are such defining moments in a kid's yep. upbringing that we all need to have. We do. Uh, you know, that's funny. We talk about it in the firehouse a lot. It's like a lot of these kids that are, are out talking, you know, talking out of their ass out here. Like mm-hmm. the crazy things that have been happening in our society. Like these kids just need to get punched in the face 100%, one time. <laughs> 100%. I talk about it all the time. I think every kid needs a black eye. I think every yep. kid needs to get laid out because frankly, there's always going to be somebody bigger, better, and stronger. So it's how do you deal with that and how do you navigate the space? And it's trying not to get punched in the face, but everybody needs to feel what that feels like. This episode's brought to you by Fast Rescue Solutions. Fast Rescue Solutions was created with the mission to develop products and training that surpass currently accepted industry standards and that meet the operational challenges of the real world. Their mission is, always has been, and it always will be to revolutionize rescue and save lives. Fulfilling both the mission and the vision, the Fastboard is a disruptive technology in rescue. Invented by 28-year Philadelphia firefighter Eric Allen, who has over 20 years in the Philadelphia Fire Department Special Operations Unit. Nationally, the average time for rescuing a downed firefighter is 15 to 20 minutes using five or more members. The fast board has the ability to reduce that time to five minutes or less using only two to three members, which is 500 times faster than the national average. Originally designed to get a fire down firefighter down and out of a basement, the fast board has been proven effective in nearly every rescue situation. RIT can find space, trench and ice water rescue, hazmat, mass casualty, and the list goes on and on. Its simplicity and versatility make it a game changer. I've been calling it a game changer for the last five years, and it truly is changing the way firefighter removal and rescue and civilian rescue is being done. Come find them at FDIC. Uh, They'll be at booth 13120 in the Capitol Corridor. Also this year, it's known as Firefighter Road. There's a ton of firefighter-owned businesses out in that Capitol Corridor. That's where you want to be, supporting our own. Stop in and see the crew from the Fast Rescue Solutions for live demos and meet the tribe. Their tribe, there's nothing better than that. This is tried and true brothers and sisters that are into the game, and they are making the job better join them wednesday thursday and friday of fdic week from three to five in the main corridor and you can have a cold one with them for happy hour come down meet the crew let them know who you are and let them show you why they're changing the game fast rescue solutions changing the game in the way we're protecting our own and the civilians we're sworn to protect check them out everybody needs to get knocked down and i agree with you 
wholeheartedly. The level of entitlement and nonsense that's going on just tells me flat out, it screams to me that everybody is coddled and overprotective and nobody's being punched in the face anymore. Yeah, thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's like a whole nother we could go down this road. Oh, hole, for sure. But but it <laughs> but it translates to everything we've been talking about, right? Like yeah, for you sure. A successful father, successful fireman, and we we have we're just starting to talk about parts and restoration, which is a YouTube channel that you do. And you learned, we brought it up a few minutes ago. You learned how to tinker and how to figure out how to restore products. This is a passion of yours outside of firefighting and outside of being right. a father. You enjoy doing it. And in fact, you've gotten to the point where you have a strong YouTube following where people follow along to see what you do. The YouTube channel, just for everybody listening, is Parts and Restoration. 38.5 thousand subscribers, 72 videos. You got picked up for a television show with the History Channel. I mean, this yeah. is this is not something you grew up with and knowing how to do this. You learned, you failed, you've made mistakes, and you've picked yourself back up to learn these processes of how to do projects about parts yeah. and restoration. Talk to me about that. Yeah, um, it was interesting. So when I when I got hired in Philadelphia, I um, I bought an old house while I was in the academy. Right, right as the academy started, that I bought an old house. Do it. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that, makes, that makes sense, man. Absolutely. Yep. I, I showed up to this old place, you know, hundred year old house yep. with an IKEA toolbox. I love it. Uh, you know, with like a, a shitty hammer and like a minimum viable product screwdriver. I and I was like, this, this sucks. Like I can't do any, anything with this stuff. Um, and I remember going to Lowe's or Home Depot and being like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to tool up for, you know, I wanted to make a shop in the basement so I could do the work in the house. Sure. Um, and I was like, these tools suck. Like, I don't want to buy this plastic so-and-so. It's made in China. Um, and it kind of made me think about um, when I was a kid, uh, I would go visit my my great aunt. Um, and her her husband had passed away, my Uncle Reddy. Um, and he had all kinds of old tools. And just, like, seeing cool quality, like, all-metal construction, just everything seemed so heavy-duty. Sure. And, you know, you know, not just my one uncle, just other uncles and stuff like that being around that stuff a little bit. Um, you know, my dad's tools were okay. Uh, but like my uncle's tools were really cool. And I was like, I want those tools, you know? So I started going to flea markets and antique stores as like, if I needed something, I would go to an antique store and see if they had it in one of like the men's, the men's department sections yep. of an antique store, you know, yep. with like all the old screwdrivers and hammers and yeah, stuff. Wow. And I would just start buying that stuff up and, I had some background in refurb and tools from my time in Frederick. Sure. Um, and so I was like, I can fix these and I can make them better than new. And so that it started out with hand tools and that sort of progressed to like, you know, like a saw or like, uh, or like, you know, like a, like a, a circular saw or like a jigsaw. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted bigger stuff. So I would get like a, I got an old band saw and I got an old drill press. And, and I I'd probably about that time guys at work had noticed you know, I, I would post stuff on Instagram, like what I was working on. They'd be like, Hey man, like, that's kind of weird that you do that. Like I'm not, a I'm not into sports at all. So the guys, the guys already think I'm a total weirdo. Like, I, <laughs> I, 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 I am. I, so, I, oh my God. I'm the same way, man. I don't watch, yeah. I barely watch football on Sundays. Like it's not a thing for me. I just don't get hung mm -hmm. up. I don't get caught up in it. I got other things to do. 
Right. I got, I have, I, right. I got stuff to do. I want to be, I don't want to watch dudes in the arena. I want to be the man in the arena. Oh, I'm doing stuff. 100%. Do it. Right. Go. Yeah. So, so I rip on the guys who work all the time constantly. It's like, oh, you got a sports, sports ball game on, or, you know, like <laughs> I, I intend one of my, the senior guy on the, uh, on the engine on the Ableton is, um, he's a big sports guy. And I just, I love fucking with him because it's like, uh, if I use the wrong terminology on purpose, it just ruins his whole day. It's I like, oh, it. he got a baseball. Oh, they got another touchdown. You know, like shit like that. It's, awesome. We have a good time. Yeah, you're and, supposed and, to. And, anyway, so they're like, dude, like, it's yeah, and, weird until those guys, people. until those guys need something, Dave, and then they come to you and they're like, hey, Dave, can uh, you fix this for me? Or, do you know how this works? <laughs> and you're like, oh, you, your wife needs you to fix that, and you don't know how to do it because you're too busy watching football all Sunday. I got you. Right. No problem, buddy. I got, I got you. you. Yeah. 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 And you aren't, you aren't wrong in that, <laughs> yeah. in that aspect. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, so anyway, the fellows were, they're like, what are you, what are you doing with these old tools? Like, that's, that's kind of weird. Like you ought to, you ought to think about sharing that stuff. Like apparently there's money to be made on YouTube. And I didn't know that at the time. And yeah. Um, so I, I was like, all right, why not I'll give it a shot? And I, I wound up buying an old tool, like an old, I think it was like an old Dewalt, um, like mini jackhammer. It was like a pre-rotary hammer for like blowing concrete apart. It just looked cool. It was something I hadn't seen before. And I tore the whole thing down, rebuilt it, um, you know, polished the aluminum body on the thing and made it look nice. And um, and that was my first YouTube video. It took me about a year to get to a thousand subscribers. And um, I think it was like 4,000 viewed hours of my content and that my channel was able to be monetized. Yeah. And, uh, but it was cool. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was you know, sadly, it was kind of an escape for me. I was going, my, my marriage was, um, I was married at the time. My mm -hmm. marriage was not going well. Um, I just wasn't with, I wasn't with the right person for me. Um, and God bless her. She's a great mom and my kids and yeah. we are very amicable. Thank God. Um, so life is good, but it was a good escape for me at the time. I was able to have my own headspace down there. where just like, all I need to do is focus on my hands. What's, you know, three feet around me in my, my little circle yeah. working on old tools. It was like a Zen space. Um, but it wound up being great just across the board. It made me grow as a person. I learned a lot of skills. Yeah. And, um, like I said, I started with an Ikea toolbox and now I've got a, basically a full machine shop with all kinds of different equipment, most of which I've bought and refurb, bought cheap and refurbished. Um, and, you know, like, and most of, a lot of the big machines I bought, I bought not knowing how to use and would then just play with them and figure it out, you know, watch YouTube videos on how to run them, buy old manuals on ebay and um and i've developed a pretty i don't want to say you know i relatively extensive skill set of just different things that i can do yeah just by screwing around and figuring it out self-taught so, yeah i mean and that's that's a big part of it. i wrote down something before you said you know when you when you were going through you know all of that um with your ex-wife and you were you know it just wasn't it wasn't working out and so on was the was this was that a catalyst to push you to kind of escape a little bit and to, to really dive into the machine shop and to really learn that passion? Or is that like, I, I'm just curious because it takes for somebody that doesn't know how to do something. It takes a lot of time and commitment to teach yourself and to make those mistakes, but then to pick yourself back up and to, you know, learn from those mistakes. And especially when it's a side hustle or it's something a little bit different. I mean, what what's that drive for you? Like, where where is that just inherent? It's just inside you, or where do you really find peace, or do you find uh, comfort in it? Like, what what is it for you? So, um, just just kind of going back on some stuff we talked about earlier. Some of my uh, ADHD yeah. anxiety stuff. Yeah. I I part of my 
my issue is I get I can get really over focused on things. Got so it. like I, I get I can I can throw a thousand percent of my body and, and mind at a project. Yep. Um, and so but but to your point, it is very therapeutic for me to yeah. to to shut everything out and focus on one thing, like to focus on a topic that I'm interested in. Um, and, you know, when I was in when I was in my early 20s, it was the fire service. A thousand percent of my time was thinking about the job learning different techniques and trying to improve trying sure. to learn the things that I wanted to know. And I can kind of do that one thing at a time. And I've, I've done that. I've just, I'll devour a topic and I'll, I'll gain a certain level of competence and then I'll get bored and then I'll find something else. And yeah. um, so like, like welding, you know, I threw my whole body into learning how to weld um, and different welding processes and reading textbooks. And I do that for, six or eight months and I would have a level of competence and then I'd be like, okay, this is cool. Like now I want to learn how to run a lathe or a milling machine. And then I would dive into that. I, I I'd buy it. the machine. Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy the machine. I'd learn how to use it. And then I, you know, but now as a result of that, that, you know, whole, um, wholehearted effort, I've got a skill. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's not, that's not everybody, but, but it's, it's, and it's, it's also it's also a, a skill you can build upon, right? Like you learn the yes. foundation and the fundamentals of of turning a, turning something on a lathe, and then you can, as time ticks on, you become more comfortable and confident, and you understand the capabilities of what the machine can do. And then that, with a mixture of what your talents and creativity are, you can keep progressing that skill further along. Yes. Yeah, I sure. love that. I love it. Yeah, it served me well. I've been. Able, I'm. I'm glad because it was really tough. You know, as a kid, like trying to trying to focus on homework and also be really interested in something at the same time. Yeah, it really made I really struggled a lot. I was not a good student, um, but it's I've been able to weaponize it as an adult. I was I was graduated valedictorian in Frederick on my academy there, um, despite being a terrible student in high school and in college. I was fourth out of almost 100 in Philly. Like I just you know when I throw myself into something, I'm it's it's tough for me to slow down. It's like you know, freight train, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. At what point do you then say I've, I've done it enough. I need to move on because here, let me give you a little, why I ask myself, my wife calls me an 80 percenter. So I, I have this creative, unbelievable creative side of me. I have vision. I have thoughts and ideas that are constantly running through my head. I'm just like you. I like to tinker. I've always been right. me I'm mechanically inclined. I, I do a lot of that type of work outside of everything else that I do. I mm -hmm. love to, I love the build. I love the tinker. Uh, you mentioned one of your, one of your sons is super artistic and creative. The other one's an absolute bull and is going to be a great truckman. And like <laughs> I was, I was the Lego kid. Like I didn't build the sets the way Lego told me to, I built them my way and I made them yep. better in my world. And I made, <laughs> I made cities and I made my own things. And of course, every city I built had an unbelievable fire department built. No in. Doubt. But, but the thing is with that was, it was my creative sauce, right? It's it, that's how my brain worked. But my wife calls me an 80 percenter because where I, where I struggle and lack is on the execution because I get tired and bored before I deliver. And yep. so what I've come to realize through maturity, 46 years old now, is I had to build a team out around me to help me build out the the vision, right? So I can do yep. the, the legwork, I could be the visionary, I could be the creative, and then I get to a point where I kind of get bored with it, right? And yep. then my brain is hungry for something new, a new challenge, something different. And so then I dive in on something different, but then whatever that project was is still waiting there in the wings because I never finished it. Yep. 
Do you struggle it's extremely with that? relatable. Do you struggle with that? Extremely yeah. relatable. Yep. I uh, that's that's been a theme across the board, and I feel like that's kind of part of the like adult AD, adult ADD, adult ADHD spectrum. Are I think tell- that's pretty common. Are you common. telling me I have ADHD? I've never been diagnosed, man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I do. It might mean- Maybe. Yeah, right? Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I have some friends that also deal with some of the things I deal with, sure. and that's super common. I, it's funny. I'm in the room. I've got a, um, a par- original partner, K-12 saw that Love I got uh, at an antique store right? and I have it completely torn down, completely cleaned Yep. and it just needs to be put back together. Haven't got and I have turn. no interest in putting it back together. Right. Yep. <laughs> like I, I, I want the end product, yeah. but I've got a ton of other things in my mind. It's like, yes. it's hard to, um, I talk about, I, I, we always talk about uh, bandwidth, you know, it's yep. like you only have so much bandwidth that you can, you can um, put toward any one thing at a time. And I've got so many things going on that it's hard for me to harness that at one at, at certain things. Cause I, I just wind up collecting projects and think I've got so many things that I'm just screwing around with that. There's just not enough bandwidth to deal but with I, all of it. It's but I know for me, like I need that. That is the fuel that keeps my mind creative and sharp. I can't, I have to be able to explore other things, even when I'm in knee deep or, or waist deep or shoulder deep in something else, I need to go somewhere else because it's just how my brain works. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Same deal. It's, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, and if you can harness that energy, it's, it's, it's like, it's unobtainium to have that kind of energy, but it's, it's also, it's kryptonite at the same time, you know, it is, it, it certainly is. There's finding that balance. And sometimes somebody else in your life has to point out that balance. And for me, it was truly, I, I think for me, like through national fire radio, I really came to understand this conversation because sure. leading, leading up to this, this is now like something else that I do in life. And so, and there's a lot of people and a lot of things that are happening with national fire radio that hinge on me. And there's a lot of times I was either letting myself down or letting people down because it was like, I wanted to do so much, but didn't have the time or the bandwidth to do that. And then it it became a struggle. And then all of a sudden it's becomes detrimental. And so I realized like, okay, I need to build out people to help me deliver. And yeah. I, I came to understand what that looks like and what that needs. And I promise you this, like if anybody listening to this episode has some of these same struggles or, or thoughts happening in their world, find people to help you follow through. That's what I did. And man, I'll tell yeah. you the, the progress I've been able to make in three months would have been five years, you know, just a couple of years ago for me. Like I've put together people and a team behind me that believe in me and my vision, and then they help me execute it. And to be able to do that now puts you forward. I mean, that's how you sure. can scale, and that's how you can move forward. And um, yeah. it's been important for me to learn that for sure. Yeah, so let me that's ask a beautiful you, thing. Let me ask you this. What the hell do you know about being a YouTube influencer? Like, <laughs> it's one thing for your buddies to be like, hey, man, you got it, like, uh, days to confuse, or no, uh, fast times to reach my mind. Hey, man, my brother's got a killer set of tools, right? Okay. So you got right, right. you got cool tools. You're cleaning them up. Like, hey, you guys, you know, you got something there. Why don't you put it on YouTube? What do you know about videoing and creating a vlog, like, at the time? Like, what, did you know anything about that? Or did you go hyper-focused uh, to figure that out, too? I, You know, I did. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was in parallel with the... Um, with with the restoration work I was doing, yeah, I was I found a few I found like a handful of guys that I that were really successful with it, and I decided I said to myself I'm going to infiltrate there and, and become part of their inner circle. I love and that. I yes, I love I it. I did. I mean, yeah. It worked out. Yeah, 
I reached out to them. I asked for advice. I, um, I would make fun of them on, on Instagram, on stories to like, we had similar crowds and I would bust their balls and guys would be like, Oh, he's making fun of the big guy. Like, that's funny. Like, who is this guy? And you know, those guys would then share my, my videos. And, you know, I just was, I made an effort to try and just to connect and it worked. I mean, it's just all about just like anything else in life. It's networking. Yes. Um, and trying to find that, you know, going after or not going after, but trying to become associated with people that are successful, figure out what they did to be successful. And then if, if they like you and, and you've got something interesting to share, they may share you with their audience as well. Cause you probably, they, their audience likes the same thing that your audience likes. Surround um, yourself with winners. I mean, I can't, absolutely. I can't talk about that enough, man. Sure. Absolutely. You find people that are good at what they do and you try to latch onto them and learn everything you can from them because they're going to make you better. If you yep. hang out with people that drag you down, you hang out with losers and they don't promote you and make you challenge you personally. Those people aren't worth to be in your life in a way that affects change for you. So find people that push you to want to be better and do better. I can't, I can't yep. stress that enough, man. That's so important in the fire service too. Yeah. I, I feel like you always want to, it's, it's been tough in, in my career in different times. I've really, I really haven't had good senior men around. Um, and it's like, who do you latch on to? You got to find guys. Well, like, you know, we talk about like Eric Allen, sure. like guys to look up to with a ton of time that have a lot of knowledge and try and just pick their brain for yes. whatever they're worth and make yourself better. Always surround yourself by people that are better than you and try and become as good as they are. And it's, you know, it's not always possible, but you can always try. Well, there's something to be said to the individual too that's willing to do that, right? Because that's somebody that believes in their abilities and skills of who they are and they're willing to find other people that might be better than them to learn from them. But unfortunately, a lot of people get clouded in their own bullshit and think they're better than they are and they don't oh my need, God. they don't need anyone to help promote them to be better. And and so sure. You know, that's a big part of today's struggle, I think, in the fire service. Yeah, it's tough. I, I think there, there are certain guys, you know, they, they feel like uh, they have a certain kind of feeling that they, either they're, you know, that you, you know the guy, the God's gift for the fire service guy, the two, and tw the two and 20 guy, uh, you know, people that don't want to grow. They want to just, they want to wear the t-shirt and feel like they're really badass and have a, you know, certain kind of swagger attitude, whatever. But it's like, when it's time to go and be a gangster, like they're just not there to sh They're not showing up, you know, well, I'll, tell you, like, every I'll tell you okay. this, man. I was one of those guys, I think for a while it, it being a fireman. I thought that I was the shit. I thought that I was yeah. great. I thought I had all the answers and I was, I was young in the volunteer firehouse. I came up through the officership very young, you know? Right. And, and, and so that gets to you. And I think that a lot of people deal with that, but what I've been able to do is turn that back around and really refocus on the fact that, listen, man, there are there are so many better people out there in this world that have so much more to offer. You better shut up and start listening, and I did. And I'm a yeah. very different man today, 28 years in the fire service. I'm very different today than I was five years, ago, five years ago, let alone 10 or 15 or even 20 years ago. Totally yeah. different in where I am today. And I'm pro you probably are too, I would assume. Definitely. I, I think I, I think I came off as a two and 20 kind of guy. I was, yeah. you know, I watched, watched a lot of YouTube videos. I, yes. I, I went to a training seminar with Mike Tampa. What do you know? Like, yeah. no, I didn't know shit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I agree with you. And I didn't even have YouTube right at the time. Like my first email sure. address was my freshman year of college. Right. So right, like right. I, my career would have been totally different if I had known that there were these bunking programs down in Pennsylvania and PG County and Baltimore and all that. 
Like yep. I would have, as soon as I graduated high school, I would have been out the door living in one of these firehouses, and I'm sure my life would be completely different than it is today. But I Perhaps. didn't. I didn't have the access that people have today. You know, sure. we didn't know that stuff existed when I was growing up. You know, yeah. and so you yep. only knew your small slice of of your community of where you grew up, and and so you get clouded very quickly thinking that you're the shit because that's yep. that's all you know, and then all of a sudden. The world opens up to you, and you go, maybe I don't know everything. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a very humbling experience. It certainly, to get. certainly can be if you're willing to let it be humble. You know, yep. if you're willing to be humble about it. But that's cool. So let's do this real quick. So parts and restoration. I, I'm intrigued by this because I love it. You know nothing about YouTubing, and yet you figure that out. You know nothing about <laughs> doing the restoration work, yet you figure that out. You, you befriend guys that are that are names in the industry. You become, um, you know, friends with them. Your, your abilities to learn from them and to bounce things off of one another. I mean, it all shows because you have quite a following on YouTube. And what I love about it is watching some of these episodes is you just have this, like, uncanny knack about it. I love it. It's, like, so natural for you. And so have you always been kind of like a... I don't know, a, a hammy type of guy, for lack of better words. Like, you, do you do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you have, I, I do. Um, I, I don't want to, like, I'm not inflating any egos here, but, like, you have this likability about you. And the way that you come off, it's very, it's very real and very sure. authentic. And I think that that's why you are as successful as you are with that with that part of things. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's really kind of you to say first. Uh, I, you know, I... I'm just a, kind of a goofy guy. Yeah, like, I, I get it. I'm not, I get it. I'm not from a fire service family. I'm not, you know, the son of a bunch of, like, tough cops or anything like that. You know, like, I'm just kind of a weirdo. Always kind of marched the beat of my own drum. Like, I was into, like, just kind of a nerd growing up. Just kind of an oddball. Just never really quite fit in. And I'm, But I'm super comfortable with who I am. Like, I just like to, I like to fuck around. I like to have a good time. Have like you always laugh. been? Have I always been comfortable with who you are? No, absolutely not. I certainly wasn't growing up. I was, I was a fat kid growing up. I yeah. was, I went to, I went to a Quaker school. I went to a friend school growing up. I was lucky enough to have my grandfather left money for my, me and my sister to go to a private school. Mm -hmm. And I went to a Quaker school and I was from a military family and I wanted to be a soldier when I was a kid. I'm the kid at a Quaker school wearing, you know, army boots and people were like, who the fuck is this fat weirdo? You're supposed to, we're supposed to love peace and you want to, you know, stop people's face. Like yeah. what? Oh, man. So, yeah. So, but no, I've never, I really wasn't, um, I really wasn't comfortable with who I was for a while. I feel like even until um, once, well, really going to Frederick, realizing that I had some issues that I need to deal with yeah. um, in, in terms of like my own uh, mental health and stuff. And then getting some help and getting medicated and like I I'm but now it's like okay, now the person who I am it's like I'm I'm awesome like well, I mean, that sounds awful because I'm no, really humble. I, no but, I th no I think that is actually perfect. I, yeah. I think that that sums it up right there, man. Because you can say that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, you know it's funny. I, I one of the things I love it's like you know there was a quote I read one time or someone said I guess it's like. When you're 20 years old and you walk into a room and you're looking at all the people in the room and you're saying, man, I hope these people like me. And then when you're a little bit older and you gain some experience and maturity, you walk into the room and you go, man, do I really like these people? Yes. You know, it's like, 100%. that's the difference. That's the change, I guess, for me, where it was like, oh, man, I'm kind of weird. But like now it's like, I really like who I am. You know, I, I like the things that I'm interested in. 
and a lot of people don't get me, but like that's a them problem. That's a them problem, you know. It's like hell yeah, I I, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I very yeah. much the same way, and it only you know I come off as a pretty confident guy, but only up until I'd say maybe the last five ten years is I really got comfortable with who I am. And, sure. and it's maybe because I really didn't know who I was until I figured it out. And I, I figured out that, you know, I don't need everyone to like me. I don't expect everyone to like me. And in fact, the only thing that's going to let me get through life and be happy and confident in life and, and potentially successful is if I like myself. And you got to put right. yourself in that place. And if you don't like, you know, a lot of people listen to this podcast and I'm sure a lot of people can relate with with a lot of what we said today. And ultimately yeah. if you're in a place right now in life where you're not enjoying who you are, the only one that can fix that is you. And you got to yep. figure out what makes you tick and what you need to be fulfilled and happy because this is all you got, man. You got to yep. like who you are. Yep. Yeah. You only get one shot at life. And it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, some of the things I've been digesting recently talk about, um, you know, it's like you don't really know who you are until you're tested. Yes. You know, no one really knows what they're made of. You got to kind of test your metal to figure that out. And I just going back to the fire service stuff, always chasing, chasing places that were busier. It's like I wasn't testing myself. I wanted to go somewhere where I could prove myself and figure out, you know, who is Dave Wyman? Like what, what is, what am I going to, how am I going to react under stress? How am I going to do when I'm put in a position um, where I got to, where I got to you know, take charge or act or whatever. And it's like, you don't know what you're going to do until you put yourself in a position to do it. And so um, uh, I feel like that's that's important to anyone's development and figuring out. Um, and it, it gives you that confidence when it's like, OK, well, you know, I, I kind of know what I'm about. I know what's you know how I'll deal with certain things or what I'm capable of. And you don't know until you know. Bro, um, I love I wrote it down. You don't know who you are until you're tested. And if yep. you if you if you haven't been tested, go Get tested, man. Like go. Right. Be the be the man in the arena. You know, Hell get, yeah. Put out there. Oh, I love that, brother. Real quick, yeah. parts and restoration on YouTube. I want to get to the story because we're t clock's ticking by in this episode because it's so good. <laughs> so I want to get to how did the History Channel come knocking? I mean, you you filmed the television show, brother. This is no small feat. Well, like, yeah, I was one of I was one of seven guys, uh, seven cast members on a show called Secret Restoration. Um, you know, I don't really know. Honestly, that is I got so a random cool, bro. Yeah, that is so wild. cool. Yeah, I, I got a random email one day that just said media opportunity, and you know, with the YouTube channel and with um, you know, small following on Instagram, occasionally right. some like random Chinese couple to be like, oh, <laughs> come on, try our sunglasses. Like, yeah, right, exactly. Like, no, dude, I don't want, I don't want to wear your weird sunglasses. Yeah. Um, but I, so I almost deleted it. But I opened it up, and it was like, hey, like we're looking to cast up for a show um doing restoration work uh for a major network i was like oh okay um so i i wound up giving a couple of interviews like a zoom you know it was um middle of pandemic i guess did some zoom meetings uh with some producer type people and casting agents and um i guess they liked me and i showed them some of the stuff that i do um just with some of the you know tools i'm working on some old vehicles just restoring stuff and kind of guess gave a portfolio um and they were interested. And I was like, okay, no kidding. So I had to figure out how to work that in with work. Um, and I was able to work with my union in Philly to, to figure out the best, a good plan, you know, to get, take certain time off and sure. do certain vacation. And, um, and it was last summer. Um, 
I wound up going to Bridgeport, Connecticut for three months. And we wow. shot the show in a, um, it was originally a World War One munitions plant, this old, you know, industrial building. How cool is that? And, uh, yeah, oh my gosh, it was incredible. It, yeah. was a, it was such a great experience and just being surrounded by, um, six other like-minded people that are you know hands-on people that you know they love fixing restoring enjoying the beauty of of well-made old things and Americana, bringing them back to their kind of, oh Americana. my gosh just classic stuff I mean, yeah. we worked on some really cool projects and um i was able to kind of showcase some of my skills on a few really cool projects um on that show it was fabulous that is very cool man i i think that that is you know, it's funny because like television, like the success you're having with your YouTube channel and your Instagram and so on obviously speaks for itself. And it's like this, uh, you know, when you make it the TV or film, it's like the next level, even though like now today more than ever, like you can have much more success. You know, some of the most famous people today are on platforms like YouTube and they don't need Correct, right. television or network television. But there's still something about it, that nostalgia of like making it to a TV show. And I, yeah. I have to think for you, like, have you ever just sat back and thought about your journey and then, like, figured – like, you you did everything to get to where you are today. I mean, you. You are 100% responsible for where you are because you've done the hard work. You've, you've made the mistakes. You've fallen down. You've gotten back up. And, right. and I have to think, like, from the outside looking in, if you could take that 30,000-foot view, you got to be pretty happy with where you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, of all that I've accomplished. You know, yeah. um, it, it has been quite a journey and um, taking a lot of risks and just put myself out there in a lot of different ways. And um, it's just, it's worked out. I, I've, I've accomplished many of the things that I wanted to do, going from a really small, small town volunteer firehouse to a busy truck company in, in Philadelphia. I never could have imagined that that would have happened at 19 years old. I would, if you told me I'd be where I am today, I would, yeah. I would have told you you're lying. Um, but it is, it is just hard work. You just got to grind sometimes and you have to have confidence in yourself and you know, you can't be afraid to make mistakes. You just have to just, you gotta, life just happens. You gotta, you go, but, but, but you gotta, you gotta put, you gotta position yourself in such a way that you're able to be successful and it's not always going to be pretty and glamorous. You got to do the hard work. You got to, Hey, firehouse, you got to scrub the floors. You got to, you know, clean the tools and do all the grunt work that nobody wants to do. And that's how you build that reputation that everybody wants. It's like, it's not going to happen on its own. You gotta, you gotta be the one to put the work in. No one's going to do it for you. So, um, and I, I guess, I guess that's sort of been my story. It's, it's hard to, it's hard for me to get like, super glowing about it. Cause I feel like I am kind of a, I try and be pretty humble about, you know, myself and, and well, I, I, I don't really I, love talking about myself, but it, it is, it is what it is. You know, my man, I, I totally get that. Right. But yeah. like, you know, sometimes it's good to just feel good about yourself. And I think I made a note and you said, you got to take risks. And yeah. I, I wrote, take risks be, and, and Dave Weinman took risks because you like who you are. You figured out who you are. You figured out what makes you work and what you need. And when you're sure. confident in yourself, you're willing to take some risks on yourself. And man, right. I just, um, I'm, this conversation today has been so much fun, man. I feel like you and I got a long future ahead of just, you know, uh, friendship and, and brotherhood, man. I, I can't thank you enough. What's next for Dave Weinman, man? Like, what do you got on your plate? What's next? You got any, you got any new ventures or anything fun coming? <sighs> My life is a little boring right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> 
But well, actually, by, you know what? By no, choice um, or what? No, well, you know, I've been working on my house. I've, yep. been, I've been kind of pulling back from some of the restoration work. I've been uh, adulting a little bit more, as the it. kids would say. Sometimes I've been adulting. Sometimes we got to do that, yeah. Ex- exciting things coming this summer, though. Um, ladder 13 is a – it's um, it's a Pierce tiller ladder, yep. and it is being replaced by a Seagrave tower ladder. Fantastic. So we're going into the tower ladder business, uh, whether we like it or not. Um, you know, I love your I love your shirt, the Miller Time, the Tiller Tiller Time shirt is fabulous. Well, um, I got something. Know. I got something for you that's gonna. Oh man! Oh, uh, you got something coming down the pipe? Yeah. Well, if the <sighs> uh, anyway, yeah, keep going. I'll tell you off the yeah. air. I can't get into yeah. it yet, but you're gonna love it. So, but anyway, yeah. So that, that, you know that was an, that was another one of the career goals. I always wanted to drive a ladder. There was one. There were two tiller ladders in Frederick, and I I wanted to I wanted to be a tiller guy. I wanted to do the tiller driving and yeah. experience that. And it was like I was able to achieve that goal in in Philly. The best thing that ever happened. I mean, you know, at the time, best thing that ever happened to me. Um, but yeah, no, we're so we're going into the tower ladder business. We're we're looking forward to that somewhat. It's it'll be a big change. Yeah. It's a um, different animal for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But it's good. You know, I think for me, I'm, I'm really lucky. My, I, I don't have any ambition to become an officer. I just want to be a senior guy, but we've got to rebuild Philadelphia's senior guy core um, as it was sort of decimated about 10 years ago mm. uh, with the mass transfers. Um, but uh, it is for me, it's like, this gives me an opportunity to, to learn something, to go back to school a little bit, you know, like to have a little bit of a career change while still maintaining uh, where I work, uh, which is in the same neighborhoods where my kids live when they're with their mom. So I want to be there for them when they're a little older, you know, hop on a bike and ride to the firehouse kind of thing. Like that's huge for me. So I I don't want to transfer anywhere. I want to stay where I am forever. And I get to learn a new skill set without having to, you know, go across the city somewhere else. So it's cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, Great opportunity for sure. Life is good. And for you to recognize that, man, it just means that you're in a good place. And um, Yeah, absolutely. Brother, what a great conversation today, Dave. Thank you very much for joining me. Like I said, when we hopped into this today, you and I, we hadn't even spoken. We, we shared some text back and forth. But, yep. um, you know, what a, what a great conversation today, man. Thank you. And this is what National Fire Radio's podcast is all about. It's just finding incredible people that love the job and have so much to bring to the table. And I can tell you this, man, the conversation today is certainly going to hit home with a lot of people. And um, thank you for putting yourself out there today with me and sharing your story. It means the world. Thanks, Absolutely. It's a real, real pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, man, it was cool. Hang right here. I'm just going to sign off, and then uh, I'll come right back to you, man. I appreciate you. Cool. Awesome. Everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. Dave Weinman, 16 years in the fire service, 10 years with the city of Philadelphia, senior man on the platoon, a platoon in West Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, man. Check out his social media, Parts and Restoration on Instagram. Check him out on YouTube. This guy's doing awesome stuff. What a great conversation today. And do me a favor, because the conversation was so good, share this. Go out and tell people about this conversation you listened to today and tell them that National Fire Radio is bringing forth some of the best people in the American Fire Service because that's what this is all about, pushing the job forward. Thank you for tuning in. Go talk about the job because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio.